Hey, Slump Busters, welcome in. It's time for episode 93 of the Slump Buster Podcast. I'm your host, Juju Talk Sports. And joining me on today's podcast is going to be Jason Apani, the host of the Sprint Right Option Podcast. Jason and I break down some of the biggest headlines coming down in the draft, including Aaron Rodgers, Trey Lance, and what are the dynasty value of some of these rookie quarterbacks? If you're a fantasy football fanatic, you'll definitely enjoy this episode. But before we do that, folks, it's time to give a shout out to one of our partners, Caveman Coffee Co. Caveman is a fantastic single source, single origin goodness from a company with impeccable taste and ethics. The people behind it are beautiful souls and the coffee is delicious fuel for the never ending quest to do better, be better, love harder and enjoy deeper. Guys, I tell you, their nitro cold brew is the perfect blend of energy and refreshment in the morning. Great way to start the day. But why stop there? They have their mammoth blends, which I highly encourage you getting. They have their hibiscus teas, which are delicious. And guys, if you use our promo code SLUMP, you get 15% off your next purchase of any of these fantastic products. CavemanCoffeeCo.com, promo code SLUMP. Guys, don't be a chump. Use promo code SLUMP and get yourself a case today. Anyway, guys, it's time for the show. Juju Talk Sports, Jason Napani, episode 93. Let's get it. Let's bust the slump and let's enjoy it. Welcome to Slump Busters. It's time for episode 93 of the Slump Buster podcast. I'm your host, Juju Talk Sports, and my guest today, join me on the pod, another young hustler on the grind, one of the leading voices of Niners Twitter, and the host of the Sprint Ride Option, Mr. Jason Apani, a man I'm very jealous of because he was live in attendance at the NFL draft. Jason, you got to tell me all about that experience, brother. Well, first off, thank you for having me, man. And, you know, I appreciate you saying that I'm one of the leading voices. I would, you know, I would put a lot of other people ahead of me, but it really, it's really nice to hear someone else say that. So I really do appreciate it. And, you know, honestly, uh, after a year of getting like my first official press credentials to actually be, you know, around the draft and around the experience, it was, it was an amazing time, honestly. Um, Something I had like, you know, as a kid, I always thought about, you know, wanting to do and now these sort of things are happening and it's just, it'll never get old and it never, it never, um, I'll never take it for granted, I guess. So it was it was an amazing experience, especially with how high profile this draft was going to be based on where the 49ers were going to be picking. Um, it was it was electric, honestly. It was an amazing time. Oh, of course. And man, God, give yourself some credit here. You just crossed the 4,000 follower mark. Huge platform right there. Uh, I've seen you interact with Grant. We both interacted with Grant. Uh, he's obviously one of the big leading voices as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, no, I know. I think just the doors that you've opened up for yourself, man, you are doing a great job. And I always love your opinions. Now, hopefully we could get one day strive for the following that East Bay Chris has on Niners Twitter. But, um, you know, Grant's killing it with that burner account. Yeah, honestly, you know, I, I love Grant. He's given me a platform and I love interacting with people in a fun way. So like you said, you know, they, they have a lot of fun with it. I try to as well. You know, the day that we stop discussing sports and it's not fun anymore or the day that we're discussing sports and it's not fun anymore, then why are we doing this? So, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of what I incorporate into it, honestly. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot of that from a lot of the funny people on 49ers Twitter, like uh, East Bay Chris and, and Grant himself. Exactly. We got to clip that one. So East Bay Chris knows we gave him some love here. But I don't know how fun it would have been had we heard on the draft day stage Roger Goodell come out there and say, and the San Francisco 49ers select McCorkle Jones out of Alabama. I know that was one of the big debates on Mm -hmm. uh, the platform the last few weeks here. Um, Leading up, Kyle, smoke screens left and right. And I just got to give it up to the front office here. The fact that they could keep their lips just closed so tightly that they'll just let the media run with that rumor. What do you think about the performance by John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan to fool everyone up until draft day? 
Well, they did an amazing job. And when they say 49ers don't leak, it's clear, obviously, that they don't. You know, there was, you know, that's what we basically had been maintaining the entire time was less about, okay, we know it's not Mac to nobody knows. And I think that's really what gave me uh, confidence that it wouldn't be Mac Jones, you know, especially when you dissect what the team had said, you know, what John Lynch has said at the, at the press conference, what Kyle has said at the press conference. The more and more you just listen to what they said, it just pointed you right to the direction that it wasn't Mac. So it didn't give the pick away, but it also let you know that it was never him, honestly. So again, when we talk about the speculation that was drawn around it, it was more based on the idea that people still believe that Kyle Shanahan's favorite prototypical quarterback is Kirk Cousins, and nobody comps to Kirk Cousins like Mac Jones. So that's why if that if that press conference that they had before the draft felt a little testy, I think it was because either one, Coach was tired of hearing, you know, everybody saying that they know, you know, especially when it comes from somebody he's really close with, like Chris Sims and other people who are respected in the industry. But two, I think it's more about, well, I mean, it's more about that. And, and the second thing is just, they don't like the idea of anybody knowing what's going on with their pick also. And, you know, one more thing, you know, not to, you know, go full conspiracy theory on you. Um, you know, the NFL, it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think the NFL really wanted them to keep it under wraps. So think about it. The, the, the talking point across the league and not just with 49ers fans with everyone was who's going to be taking a third. Is it going to be Mac? Is it going to be fields? Is it going to be Lance? You know, what, what is it? And that's the thing that was driving ratings. You know, the Oscars had a downtime when it came to, to ratings. And this was the second most watched NFL draft of all time. That should let you know that the NFL, you know, played a little bit of a part in it. They also, you know, made sure that they let people know not to leak the picks anymore. They wanted real drama and they got it, honestly. And that, and that all came from pick three. So when the 49ers are there at pick three, it's a uh, big TV and the NFL capitalized on it. So, I mean, to answer your question more than anything, the Mac Jones stuff was to drive content. You know, you and I, we create content. We've got to find ways to create content. Well, those guys in the media, they've got to find ways to create content as well. And nothing creates content like something controversial, like trading up to three to get Mac Jones, who a lot of people didn't even have in their top 12, top 15 picks. So, I mean, if you go in there and you say, hey, I think it's Fields or I think it's Lance, that's boring because it seemed like that was going to be the answer one way or another. So, you know, just when it comes to the media thing, I just want people to understand that, yes, we're content creators, but they are as well, too. They're just on a grander scale and they have to generate those clicks. They have to generate those talking points. So it's not just us, honestly, that, that was running with it. But yeah, I mean, it's just it was a lot of speculation. And, you know, and at the end of the day, it was, you know, it was kind of funny to hear Colin John after the draft say, man, it was funny. I don't know where that started from, but we weren't going to stop it either. So it was good. It, you know, and, and people are always ask you, why did they have to do that? It's because you don't want anybody to know who you're coveting. You know, if Kyle Shanahan says he covets a quarterback, then other people are going to take a look at him, i.e. the Jets at two. So it kind of behooved them to not to talk about it at all. They did a great job, phenomenal job keeping it under wraps. I will buy into that theory, just given if you look at this draft too, not a lot of drama in it, especially at the top. We've known Trevor Lawrence was going to go number one for the last three years. Yep. So when the Niners made that big decision to trade up all the way to number three, uh, just let the speculation train keep on running. And it was a lot of fun leading up to the draft. I think the proof is in the pudding, seeing where Mac Jones officially did fall, how far he would have slipped if the Niners didn't select him at three. Obviously, we know that was 15. He wasn't getting past Belichick. Uh, so that's why I think it would have been obviously a huge reach if they did decide to go with Mac at that spot. And I'm glad to hear that, you know, Kyle did go against the grain, that logic that everyone's kind of put him into this uh, cookie cutter. I have to get Kirk Cousins. I have to get Jimmy. I have to get uh, Glenn, Matt Schaub, whatever it may be. Um, I'm glad that they broke that uh, mold there. 
Now, I, I think the second part of that question, though, is Trey Lance, this guy who has one season in the FCS, um, full season as a starter, uh, versus not just Mac Jones, but then a Justin Fields, who's been proven, uh, played in some big-time games, played in some games that um, Trey Lance couldn't even uh, think of at the quarterback position, specifically when you look at the offers he was given. Um, what did you think of the Trey Lance versus Justin Fields comparison at three? I think that shocked a lot of people as well. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, I was pretty vocal with my uh, love for Justin Fields, still love Justin Fields. Hopes he, hope he does amazing in Chicago. And I think he will, honestly, that, you know, I think Chicago got themselves a really good one. Um, I myself, you know, saw somebody who was as proven, like you said, proven, accurate at all three levels, been in big games, toughness. I thought that Kyle would be drawn to his toughness more than anything. You think about the years and Jimmy Garoppolo being injured so much, you know that he covered somebody who can bounce back from an injury and not be gone for, for long extended periods of time. I mean, the kid cracked his ribs and then outdueled the golden boy in a game that nobody ever wanted to talk about. You know, yeah, they, they wind up losing to Mac Jones in Alabama, but I wouldn't fault Justin Fields for that. The defense couldn't stop Alabama. Alabama has a bunch of, you know, how many guys did they have going the first round? You know, four, three or four. You know, they, they, they got an all-star team around them in a pro-style offense. So, you know, for me, I had Fields over Lance. But when I first dove into my quarterback evaluation process, which, by the way, this is the first year that I've ever done this, you know, especially being that I was able to finally get my hands on all 22, especially considering that. 2019 all 22 is very hard to get which is all of Trey Lance's tape basically it's not 2020 there was only one game in 2020 that he played um I fell in love with Trey Lance in the beginning you know right away you know you see the the Shanahan concepts you see the pro style offense the smarts I think is what really put him over the top on top of all those other things you know like he he can call out protections left to right runs all those same RPOs those bootlegs those Shanahan leaks all those concepts are there. So I think that, you know, obviously the physical tools are there, you know, Justin, Justin Field and Trey Lance are huge men, um, you know, obviously very fit, but I think really what it boiled down to was the skill set and, you know, the mind, I think it's the mind more than anything. I think that when Kyle said he dug into the tape, when he was in Cabo, he said, very rarely did I ever see him go the wrong way with the ball, you know? Everybody wants to point to the fact that Trey Lance in 2019 didn't have one interception. He didn't. That doesn't mean that he didn't make he made every single correct decision. It's just how it bounced. You know, sometimes receivers would drop uh, interceptions. I mean, secondary people would drop interceptions and things like that. But I think it's the smarts being able to call out all of those protections, being able to run all those same concepts while giving you the upside of those types that he talked about the Mahomes, the Josh Allen, who can make plays off schedule and save you with his legs as well. And, and the legs is the last part, honestly, when, when you talk about challenging the four principles at the mesh point of an RPO where the ball's in the belly of, let's say, Trey Sermon with Debo going by, you know, now you have to worry about, okay, does Sermon have it? Do you give it to Debo? Is he pulling it out the pass? And now is he taking it out to run? So um, when you put all that together, I think that's really where Kyle Shanahan got to on there. So while I thought Justin Fields was the more polished, ready to go quarterback, I understand the thought process completely. And Kyle, and you know what? We have to trust Kyle Shanahan here. If he can get what we think he can get out of him, you know, then then it's a fun time for 49ers fans. They have to be excited. There's a lot of comments to pick apart after draft day as well. Um, I know Michael Lombardi's still uh, howling at the moon that the Niners were going with Mac Jones all along until draft day when they changed their mind. He could and just stop talking there. about it and it would go away. Like he could just stop talking about it. No one was asking about it anymore. He just continues to do it, but I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. You're good. Um, and then besides just uh, the absolute anger of Matt Michael Lombardi off of that, we also have comments from the team itself. So uh, Jimmy made a couple of public statements since then that he's willing to like 
help um, talk Trey Lance through the process, everything. Now, I, I think Jimmy's a competitor and like anyone else. And I think he's going to come out here and try to ball, save his job and save his NFL career moving forward at this point. Uh, what do you think of that dynamic? Like of Jimmy and Trey Lance this year, do you think it is going to be a very um, cordial relationship or do you think that it's going to be one of those that, uh, well, I don't know. We're, we're seeing all this Aaron Rodgers, Jordan love drama this year. <laughs> I don't think Jimmy's going to do that. I think he said everything right. You know, and you have to give the man a lot of credit. You know, this is the third straight off season where this regime, regime has tried to move off of him and, you know, drafting a quarterback there kind of just means that your time is up. He was actually a part of that when he was drafted, you know, and Tom Brady was being talked about as, okay, declining, big contract, things like that. So he, you know, Tom Brady was uncomfortable with it. And Jimmy's been in the room when it's been uncomfortable like that. He's done nothing but so far, say all the right things, be the consummate professional. And that's, that's what you hope, honestly. And I think he will. And if it's true that he was the first person to reach out to Trey Lance, good for him. Good on him, honestly. But as of right now, what I see as it's playing out is I see right now, you can probably pencil in Jimmy at starting week one. Based off of the idea that, you know, once you see what Teddy Bridgewater fetches in a dra- in a trade, you know, as far as a six rounder, that's not really what you want to give Jimmy Garoppolo up for, even if you get a fifth or a fourth, right? Especially when they were ta- when there was rumblings of wanting a first round pick, you know, for Jimmy Garoppolo. My hesitance towards this situation and why I feel, you know, that you still, you need to rip the bandaid off at this point. Either bring in a backup who can, or, or someone who can start for a little bit while Lance gets going or just throw Lance in there. Is, is two things. Right now, Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value isn't is, is at its highest point, right? Because there's still coaches out there that'll tell you, hey, let me get my hands on him. I'll fix him. He's good still. He can do these things. The problem is, is that if you start Jimmy Garoppolo and he starts to struggle, one, the rumblings become really big. Two, his trade value dwindles. And God forbid if he gets injured, then his trade value becomes nothing. So it's either you're, you know, you're, you're willing to run with Jimmy and Lance and maybe Lance sits for a year which I don't know why you would move to three and have someone sit an entire year. You know, I tweeted out a chart today from Mike Clay, which showed, you know, picks one through three, you know, eventually if they don't start week one, they start pretty quickly, honestly, because you didn't take him there because they were, he was a project like that, you know, like that's, and, and that's the problem with, with, you know, I think with some of the analysis with Lance that I get a little annoyed with people use the word project. And I don't think they understand really what that means because he's not a project. He just hasn't played. That's another thing or another reason why I think, you know, Lance should start. So you're telling me the remedy for a guy that you guys are worried about who only played one game last year and hasn't played competitive football in so long is for him to sit longer. I don't know. That doesn't really jibe with me, honestly. You know, I I understand the idea of, hey, playbook, hard to grasp. Realistically, it's more about the verbiage than it is the concepts and everything because he he knows all of those things. But if you ever listen to Kyle Shanahan call a play, it's a long, it's a long play. It'll take you about maybe six, seven seconds to run through every single verb, you know, all the verbiage through it. So I think that's really why people would want him to sit. But for me, I mean, if, if you're worried about his inexperience, get him in there. Get him in there and start playing. And, and if, God forbid, here's the last scenario that's the scariest. If God forbid they get into camp and the buzz out of camp is that Lance is vastly outperforming Jimmy Garoppolo, trade value is none. Honestly, it, it gets lower and lower by the day. So the 49ers have a, 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 a good situation on their hand, right? Because they have a guy that they know they can win games with. And let's face it, this team will win 11, 12 games provided that the, the team is healthy with Jimmy Garoppolo. But you're betting on him doing something that he's only been able to do one year out of his last three, and, and that's play an entire season. So it's a, it's, a, it's a roll of the dice that I'm not as comfortable with, but hey, if that's what they're going to roll with, let's roll with it, honestly. And it wouldn't be the worst thing for Trey to sit a, an entire year. I just don't think it's like, 
you have to sit him for a year. You don't have to sit him for a year, but it's not the worst thing. Yeah, here's my kind of like thought on Jimmy Garoppolo. And yes, you are right that his trade value is a big part of this equation. But I think that his trade value can get it back up to what you gave up to receive him in the first place, a second round pick if he has another good, healthy season. And as far as Jimmy's health, I know that's always the big talking point. Can he stay healthy? Can he be on the field uh, 16 games, 17 games now, I guess, this year? Um, I, I equate it to the injury luck versus the injury prone argument. So when I look at the injuries themselves, torn ACL, that's not connected to the high ankle sprain. High ankle sprain isn't connected to the shoulder. These are separate injuries, different parts of the body. And when we look at the um, context of the injuries, uh, the ACL, he just came trying to make a big play on the sideline and come back mode against the Chiefs. Tried to play hero ball, didn't work out, took a wrong angle, hurt. Uh, the high ankle sprain, the initial injury itself, Guy went low on his legs, hit him in the wrong angle, and that's just kind of like what happened. Now there's the argument, could he have got out there later in the season? Well, he did try to come back. He did try to come back and re-injured it. Did we really need him to come back in week 15, week 16 to prove a point of his toughness? I, I really don't think that that's fair. Unless he's still dealing with that high ankle sprain into this year, and then that's when we really just start talking, like I, in my mind at least, injury prone, like this is a reoccurring injury, and it's not ever going to get better. Uh, that's kind of like how I think about it. I think like a player like Keenan Allen, right? In his first couple of years, um, had a multitude of injuries. Um, but considering that none of them were related, like a ripped kidney isn't related to his torn ACL. I, I think that that's kind of where I draw the line as far as the injury. And as far as that dynamic, uh, so adding fuel to the fire today, uh, Jed York actually made some comments about potentially Trey Lance sitting two years. Now, I believe that there is equation where Jimmy Garoppolo could in theory be on this roster in 2022. I, I think it would involve a lot of wins and a couple playoff wins to do such. A Super Bowl. Uh, do you, yeah, exactly. Do you think that there, so you think the only way Jimmy's on this team in 2022 is a Super Bowl? Would you put that? Yeah, I think equation? so. I think it has, I think it has to be that honestly, you know, because you know, let's say this, and, and I agree with you actually about the injury prone injury luck thing, right? Um, bottom line is, is whether it's luck or prone, he still finds a way to get injured. That's, that's the thing. So like when, what I think about it and how I think about it is range of outcomes. Okay. So is there a world where Jimmy plays up to his 2019 potential? Sure. It's just how likely, how likely is he going to make it through the year? How likely is that to happen? That's the part where I get a little nervous about it. Right. But you're absolutely right. There's been very, there's been many examples of players who have injured, 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 and then just go on and never get injured again. So, you know, again, Playing the injury thing, that's a concern, but using it as just like, oh, for sure, this is what's going to happen. That's that's going to be a wrong way to look at it, honestly. Uh, yeah, I think they have to win a Super Bowl, honestly, and I'll tell you why. You know, Jimmy's, Jimmy's you know, saying all the right things, but the, the competitor in him, I think it's time for him to go somewhere else where like they're going to insulate him and say, look, we believe in you. You're the man, you know, and we're going to and we're going to try, you know, to do everything for you. The problem is, is that as the days go by and who knows what's going to happen next year, as the days go by, the list of teams that would be looking for a starting quarterback, they dwindle. The only thing that I would see maybe during in season is if maybe somebody loses uh, a starting co a quarterback during the season. And they get nervous and they're just like, all right, let's call the, let's call the 49ers up. And then they, then you can say, all right, second round pick, you know, or conditional first, right. You know, depending on how he plays. So um, I think that if, if they win a Super Bowl, then he's definitely on this roster next year. Um, but I, I think that it's time to just help him get a new spot. You know, I think I want him to go succeed. I want him to go ball out somewhere else, but I'm just, I'm just, 
when you start to look at the quarterback situations across the league, it's just, where does that happen? You know, um, Philadelphia didn't take a quarterback. Who knows what's happening with them? There's few question marks across the league. You know, Denver, Denver has Teddy and Locke. Washington has Fitzpatrick. Um, New England has Cam and Mac. So I think that's done. Honestly, I don't, I don't, I think the, the New England reunion that's out because right now Mac Jones is, seems to be the future and they'll just get someone else to back him up. You know, you know, let's say Cam starts, then Mac comes in either way, they'll find someone to do that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that if, if, uh, you know, they have a deep playoff run then they have something to look at right there, but again, sitting Trey Lance for two years, when all you guys have been telling me is that he needs reps, that doesn't sound right to me. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. One year. Okay. Two years too long. That makes no sense, honestly. So if you really want to get this ball rolling, then you've got to start getting the kid reps, right? With Josh Allen, he took his lumps year one, year two, year three, what happened? Boom. MVP candidate. That's the sort of trajectory that trajectory that there should be for Trey Lance, right? You know, the, the quarterback evaluation process has been, speed has been heightened or or has it been it's it's been it's moving along quickly now after Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen that's not how it used to be when you draft a quarterback you usually sit with them for years you don't just get rid of them after a year but it's changed now people want to see things happen immediately so um is there a world where Jimmy Garoppolo is on his team next year for sure you know I just don't see it and I just don't think that it's it's good for Lance if you ask me I think that Lance needs to get out there and, and start to take hold of this offense if you're looking for a potential destination, I will say that next year's draft, um, from all indications that I've heard at least, is a little bit light on the quarterback drafting mm-hmm. market. So mm-hmm. potentially, uh, there may be a quarterback needy team that may be interested next year. Um, okay, Jason, I, I need you to do a little bit of role play for me here. Gotcha. Uh, I need you to take yourself back to uh, being out there live in attendance in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Niners are on the clock. This is pre-Trey Lance here. And then Roger Goodell gets on stage and makes this announcement. I need you to give me what your reaction would have been. Mm-hmm. The San Francisco 49ers have traded the number three pick to the Green Bay Packers. Brian Rogers. Well, you know, I'm going to let you fill in the blanks there. I'm looking for that instant reaction. <laughs> so um, that's an instant Super Bowl, right? So yeah. 49er fans would have that. That's a feather in your cap. You win the Super Bowl next year. And I would tell I would tell anybody in ears in earshot that they have no shot at beating the 49ers. The problem is, is do you want to win two, you know, or do you want to win four, five, six, seven, you know? So, you know, I know 49er fans want Super Bowls. I know that that sounds good. And I know that Aaron Rodgers instantly would turn them into that. My thing is, is like to trade up to three, you know, and and, and it's funny because Kyle talked about calling. They call, he's like, hey, look, when, when they said, come get me, we called. And Matt LaFleur told us, you're just wasting your time, though. So it's not something that they didn't consider. Like, it's not impossible, right? I just think it would be a little bit more short-sighted. You know, he's 37 at this point. He would play until he's probably 39, 40. So you win two or three Super Bowls, maybe, you know, during his time. But then you got to start all over again, you know, and Trey Lance is 20. When he, he turns 21 next week, when it's time for his fifth year option, he'll be 25. <laughs> That's his first contract. His second contract will probably lead him until he's 30. He'll probably be in a 49er uniform until he's 35, 36 years old, all if everything goes well. So I don't think you can turn down that sort of stability at the, at the quarterback position, even if it's still not perfect, because let's just face it, 
there is a world where Trey Lance doesn't work out. Let's just say, you know, this is this is the league. It happens. It's been, you know, people who are can't miss that don't wind up panning out. I don't think that's what's going to happen with Trey Lance. And I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to tell you that, you know, that's something that could happen. So, you know, yeah, you, your instant reaction is, hey, 49ers are going to win a Super Bowl. But then you're back to square one a few years later. And I think that's where I would have the hesitance with it. It's like, okay, let's win these Super Bowls, but you're going to be back in the same boat, you know, in, in a little while. But, you know, one Super Bowl is better than none or two is better than none. So I guess a 49er fans wouldn't have been so against it. But I just, I, I hate the idea of the uh, the older quarterback now. So it's just like, hey, win two or win five. And and that's really what they should be looking for. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would have accepted it, but that's not, you know, that's not what I would have wanted, honestly. Well, there's a certain segment of Niners fans that if you talk to based on last year's offseason, that was the thought process in Jimmy versus Tom, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, hey, you know, we probably have Jimmy for a few more years, at least, uh, you know, Tom, we maybe have two years. Granted, I will say this, uh, as far as that thought process, I don't think the Niners would have won the Super Bowl if Tom Brady was on this team, to be honest. If, If the injury still held up, maybe you could say like Tom, like has some sort of weird godlike effect on this roster where everyone's the high ankle it's yeah where everyone's high ankle just held up where everyone's just uh acl didn't tear bosa wasn't on the field at that moment uh but you know hopefully uh that player evaluation thing that john and kyle said that they've been working on uh pans out with that grading process but uh, that brings me to the aaron Rodgers drama really as a whole that i want kind of like dive into so uh, the last kind of like thing relative to the niners is there's a thought process that they may be accused of tampering in the scenario uh do you think that that's a realistic possibility because there was talks that they had been texting the Packers on Wednesday where really the news didn't break until Thursday um what do you think of kind of like that storyline there if there's any team that would want to knock the Niners on tampering I, I think it would be the Packers yeah, I mean, the only problem is, is that because they didn't reach out to their representation, I don't think they really have a leg to stand on. So there was someone in his camp, I believe, that got the word out to the 49ers. But that doesn't make them the agent. That doesn't make them anybody who is, you know, connected to the team or or Aaron Rodgers. So that's why they'll have an issue with the tampering, I believe. You know, once you get the word, there's nothing wrong with calling the team. You can call the team and say, hey, is Aaron Rodgers available? They'll just hang up the phone on you. But that's not tampering. So um, I think that they're just going to investigate it because they believe that, maybe Rogers people, maybe his agent, somebody like that was doing something like that. They weren't, they never gave him a, a, you know, they never requested him, you know, they never gave him a request to, to look for a trade. So it, you know, that's something that's different, but you know, I think they just want to make sure that there was nothing going on that was rotten with like Rogers agent or anything like that, but there's nothing wrong with like, let's say a friend of Aaron Rodgers, you know, floating a message over there, you know, to, to them, you know, it's going to be really tough to prove. So yeah, you know, and I think that's just more about the Packers just being upset that, you know, this is going on with them now and this is going to be an ongoing thing, which, you know, if you want my prediction, I just believe he's not going to be playing anymore. Aaron Rodgers will just take his ball and go home. Yeah, I, I think so. I really do. I really do. Honestly, he's got enough money. He's 37. He doesn't really have much to prove to us. We all know that he's one of the greats. Um, you know, it just would be a little bit of a shame to just have him walk away with one Super Bowl, you know, thinking about how we consider him. But if he doesn't get moved to like Denver or the Raiders, I don't think he's playing this year. I think he'll just go take his ball, go home and go, you know, host Jeopardy. I mean, you know, that's just the way I look at it. Honestly, he has enough money. He's he's good. Like he doesn't always strike me. He doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to sit there and be in a in a bad situation like that or a situation that he doesn't want to be into for too much longer. So do I think there's going to be anything to the tampering? No. But my prediction also is that I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to play another down in this league. 
Wow. Okay. So not a lot of people have come out and said the outright retirement um, part of it. Um, I know it was strongly encouraged by uh, Terry Bradshaw this week. And I know that was controversial in itself. Goodness but, gracious. He's talking yeah. about his bad footwork. It's like, come on, Terry. Like, you know, okay. we get it, man. You're Petty. a legend, but come on, man. Jeez. Petty. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, but when you have a golden arm like Aaron Rodgers, yeah, footwork. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Um, but you know, that's, that's an interesting thought process there. Like, he has enough money. He can just go anywhere. Um, at this point, what's kind of like how the trade rumors and everything kind of came out, it was odd that it was right on draft day because I feel like that didn't give a lot of teams the opportunity to really make a move or make something happen. Uh, when you look at his list, though, um, let's see. So he's noted the Raiders potentially, the Broncos, and the Niners. We know the Niners aren't happening. So really the only two options are those Raider, the Raiders and the Broncos. If you're the Packers, though, do you do you try and appease this? Do you try and make this work? Because I, I feel as though they they're kind of like boxed into a corner here, aren't they? Yeah, and that's my point. That's why it's it's too far gone at this point. You can't appease him, right? You know, even even in this draft, if you really really wanted to do something for him, get him a receiver. You got him Amari Rogers, who I loved, and we saw him in Mobile. He was amazing, but that's not going to be enough. They took a they took a cornerback in the first round, like almost just like yes. You're asking us for a trade and we still don't care. We're not going to do anything to repeat like at all. And, and that's the thing. It's, you know, so I saw something come across, right? The Bears contacted Andy Dalton before they drafted Justin Fields. The Bucks contacted Tom Brady before they drafted Kyle Trask. The Packers did not inform Aaron Rodgers that they were going to be taking Jordan Love when they needed a wide receiver at that spot. To disrespect, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if, you know, there's rumors that, you know, maybe he's surly, that maybe he's like a malcontent at times, you know, but he's just so good that you just got to kind of put up with it. But I just think it is so far gone at this point. It really is. It's just they, they continue every move that they make. It continues to be like another like little middle finger to him almost like, yeah, we don't care that you're unhappy. We don't care that, you you know, you want another receiver next to Devontae Adams because they really don't have anybody reliable. We're not going to get you another weapon. We're going to draft a, a running back in the second round who you who <laughs> here's what's baffling. First round Jordan Love, second round running back. And then you never let Jordan Love play. And then you re-sign Aaron Jones for four more years. Like, I don't know the thought process. Like, this is literally like, are you guys just like throwing darts at the wall and just saying boom boom like the, the so he has to already be upset with the way that they're treating him and then those free agent moves and those front office moves that doesn't make you want to stay there either you know so I just think that it, it's just too far gone there's nothing they can do the only way that they could like you know maybe smooth things over is if they make a trade for like Julio Jones and like bring in a whole bunch of other people but I don't even think that's enough I think that Aaron Rodgers has shown in other instances that he's just going to be stubborn absolutely stubborn and also I think uh, after the NFC championship, he was done, finished when with, with the field goal and not going for it on fourth, because, you know, even in the press conference, when he was asked, you have to ask the coach, uh, you know, even on, when, when he was hosting Jeopardy, I know this doesn't really have to do anything with anything, but he was hosting Jeopardy and someone put up, you know, why'd you kick the field goal? And he's like, good question. And like, he just kept it moving. Like that, that seems to real? be something that, yeah, <laughs> I thought that mm -hmm. was pure meme. I, I had no. no idea that was a real thing. Mm -hmm. That was a real thing. Yeah. That's the, that clip is floating out there. So um, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's just funny to me, honestly, that, that you know, when you look at him and you look at his press conferences, like that last one, that exit press conference right after the NFC Championship, for me, that kind of felt like the last nail in the coffin where he was just like, man, this guy was the MVP. He had played at like one of his best levels all time in his entire career, which is saying a lot. 
and they still didn't trust him with the fourth down to to you know get them to the you know the promised land and they they basically gave away the game so yeah i mean i think he's i think it's done it's too far gone i'm not i'm not certain how they could appease him and, and fix this so better chances playing in 2021 deshaun watson or aaron Rodgers? oh man <laughs> neither Goodness gracious, man. I don't think either play this year, honestly. I, I really don't see how it happens. I mean, Deshaun Watson probably has a better chance because, let's, you know, I'm not going to speculate on what's going on of with course. him. You know, or anything no, like no that. not asking you to. I know that no, that's no, no. just not just a lot's come out there. Right. And I just think that if there is a way, you know, that, you know, maybe this is settled in civil court, then he can come back. But then that doesn't mean that Goodell won't put him on the exempt list or anything like that. So, but I mean, if I had to choose guns to my head, maybe Deshaun Watson, but man, I don't like either's prospects uh, of playing this year. I really don't, man. The league is going to be missing some, some really, really big high, high profile stars. If, uh, if, you know, all these things happen, unfortunately, you know, that division would be so insane though. If he did go to Denver, think about that. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, uh, even Derek Carr and Justin Herbert in that same division. Like, wouldn't that just be the nightmare quarterback? Who's I would love that? We'd get Mahomes Rogers twice a year, you know, most of the time, you know, probably big games because Denver and KC, that's like a, that's a bloodbath, those games. Um, yeah, that would be, you know, that would be amazing. Also get Aaron Rodgers out of the NFC. <laughs> I'm, I'm with it. Get him out of here, get him and somebody get Russell Wilson out of the NFC and let's, let's really have some fun now. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm okay with him being in the NFC. Uh, the mm-hmm. Niners seem to love him in the playoffs. I'm just saying yeah, that might be a that's shot true. there. That, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Okay, Jason, I know you actually, you you also run a fantasy football podcast as well, correct? Yeah, I do. That was my first love. That's how I really got into all of the content creating. That was the first thing that I did. Um, fantasy football has been a huge passion of mine. You know, in fact, I'm, I'm in a draft like right now as we speak. Um, Dynasty? You know, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just straight up like an obsession. And, and it's how I really got into, you know, learning things. And, you know, I, I know that the fantasy football community gets a lot of hate for, for liking stats and stuff like that. And that's fine. You know, but we play a game, but I think that fantasy football gave me an ability to understand roster construction and understand who's on everybody's depth chart, because now I understand who plays what role. You know, I learned a lot about play calling and what, what styles people are because you have to draft people based on like their opportunity, right. And things like that. So while fantasy football players get a lot of hate, they do a lot of research. And that's how I was able to, you know, retain a lot of information on everybody in the league because you have to have a leg up in a, in a lot of these high profile leagues. So yeah, fantasy football is my first love and it's what got me into, uh, you know, discussing the 49ers in this way, but it'll, it'll always be there for me. And I always love fantasy football always. Oh, I completely agree. My dad showed it to me at age seven before then only Niners only cared about the Niners. But the second I got a chance to in my first draft, take Frank Gore and the third round, ah, that kind of like set me up for life there. Um, and I, yes, you're right. Like I, I wouldn't care about like the third uh, string rookie running back on Jacksonville had I you know not fallen in love with fantasy football and that's why I'm uh, kind of curious coming off the draft you know like obviously we have these new names and new places uh, leads to a lot of opportunity which is uh, talent opportunity uh, tell me uh, who out of this uh, first round quarterback class will be the quarterback you're going to want in three years on your fantasy team is are we talking about dynasty or are we talking about redraft that's- you know what? Yeah, let's go with Dynasty here because I, I think that we don't get a chance to talk a lot of Dynasty on this show. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm curious your thoughts there. So, Dynasty is pretty easy to pencil in Trevor Lawrence 1 1, right? You know, but there is a discussion that needs to be had about Justin Fields being the, the 1 1 and, and Trey Lance as well. I think that, I think that Trey Lance has, has firmly put himself in as the number two quarterback behind whoever you want at number one. Now, the number one discussion gets very, very, gets very, very 
it, it's tough. It's not as easy as everybody makes it makes it seem like it's just straight up Trevor Lawrence, right? Now let's think about it. Trevor Lawrence is about to walk into a team that, let's just face it, right now doesn't have a lot of talent. Okay. Justin Fields, if he gets to start, gets to throw to Allen Robinson, who is one of the most underappreciated wide receivers of this generation, you know, and he gets paired up with a play caller who's pretty good in Matt Nagy. And he he can do a lot of things down the field with the ball. So, um, you know, for me, I think that I'm going to take the safe route and say that it's Trevor Lawrence. But there's a big, big discussion to be had whether Justin Fields is number one. But that doesn't even make one of them number two, because I still think it's Trey Lance. I think that if you talk to anybody about any of these quarterbacks, it's where would you want your quarterback to land? And I think no questions asked. Everyone would want their quarterback to land with the San Francisco 49ers. It's the perfect situation. When you when you put that rushing floor that Trey Lance is going to have on the table, right? That's, for me, what puts him at number two, firmly in the number two discussion. Because rushing floor gives you about seven, eight points off the bat. If he scores a touchdown, then you're set. And now you're talking about adding on passing yeah, it's too hard to ignore. I don't see the, the the Bears using Justin Fields as a runner because you want to protect your guy. With Trey Lance, that's something that's part of his game. So you've got to use that for him. So Trey Lance is probably going to be my 1-2. But 1-1 is a good discussion. You know, whoever is not the 1-1, I think slips to 1-3 for me, if that makes any sense. I know that that's a, I know that, that doesn't really make sense because I'm talking about two guys being so close, and that means just one of them drops down. But I think that if you're taking Fields first, then I think I drop Lawrence to third. And if it's Lawrence first, then I'm going to drop Fields to third. So, I mean, it really just depends on what you're looking for. Um, and it depends on your scoring format and stuff like that. If it's like super flex, you know, obviously you got to go early with them. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would say Trevor Lawrence now, but I wouldn't, I, I see a world where Justin Fields is the number one quarterback. Yeah, it's fun to notice that variance on Trey Lance. For example, in redraft, I have him as actually the fifth at five out five there. Uh, whereas I have him actually as two um, in my dynasty rankings because you're, you're right, Trevor Lawrence, there can be an argument for 1v1. Um, why, why I think I'm so comfortable putting him in the spot is because I think, aside from his upside, aside from his Peyton Manning level, Andrew Luck level upside, I think that his floor is going to be high enough to keep him above some of his other competitors, where I think that it's possible that Justin Fields could have more ups and downs. Like, let's say he loses Allen Robinson. Do the Bears necessarily have the ability to replenish the cupboard there at wide receiver? Um, Matt Nagy, let's say they do have a down year. Do they move on from him and pace? And suddenly there's a lot of misfunction going on there. Urban Meyer, maybe you could chalk him up for another three years. Um, and then why I have actually Zach in dynasty, I have Zach Wilson as my, my fifth ranked quarterback there. And the reason I do, um, even uh, below McCorkle Jones is because as much as I love Robert Sala, obviously we're both Niners fans. We love Robert Sala. Um, let's say, uh, Matt LaFleur's brother, Michael Floor, has a really great season. Like Zach Wilson looks amazing as a rookie. Um, then, you know, he's going to be the hawk commodity on the head coach search. And then that means Zach Wilson suddenly has this equation where he's two coordinators in two years. And then let's say his next coordinator either doesn't live up to, um, expectations or does have another good year. Then he's gone. Now we're up to three coordinators in three years. All while, you know, Robert Sala, as much as I love his energy and enthusiasm from the defensive side, I don't think that he's necessarily built to uh, coach up a quarterback. And I, I, that's my that's concern as far as him long term. That's a valid concern, honestly. You know, and, and that's the thing. You know, here's the other thing, too, is not just the, the offensive coordinator leading. You know, like, as you can tell, 
when one person leaves, they take a bunch of people with them. Like that's the MO, right? So there, there could be, you know, and everybody wants a piece of the Shanahan tree, right? They always want to get somebody like that. So that's a very valid concern. Let's say that LaFleur does take off this year, you know, and next year people want to either hire him as a head coach or their OC somewhere else. Uh, yeah, you know, you just, the only thing that I would say, like just in, you know, to retort to that, um, is I think that Salah would get somebody who's still in that same, I guess the same Shanahan mold. Like they have like all, they're all friends. So like when one of them goes, they take a bunch of them, but they can always pull from other places as well too. So, I mean, that's a really interesting point. Like nobody ever really brought that up to me. And that's something that, that, that I think is a very valid concern about, you know, another coordinator, another time and everything as well. They've got weapons around him now, finally, you know, Mims and, and um, Elijah Moore and Corey, and, Davis. Um, Corey Davis and I love Michael Carter no running game uh, though that's my yeah Michael favorite. Carter Michael Carter is gonna take that backfield over pretty quickly it's it's Michael Carter uh the Michael P Ryan and Tevin Coleman who we both know <laughs> um that's it though that's it so I expect Michael Carter to get the lion's share of things and and actually do more in the passing game than either of those two Tevin Coleman is gonna see the field because he's good in pass pro and he's familiar with the uh with the scheme the Michael P Ryan we really don't know what he is yet Michael Carter was somebody who when we we're in Mobile. He was just, oh my goodness. He, he he's a draft crush of mine. I was so happy to see him get there because now here, while I'm here in Jersey, I get to watch him a lot more now and keep tabs on him and Salah. So, but that's a really good point, honestly, about the coordinators thing. I never really thought of that. Yeah. And then the last quarterback that we didn't really even touch on, like Mac Jones, the reason I think I had, I'm not going to put him dead last mm-hmm. is I do think that he ended up in the right system. I, right. At the end of the day, I think he ended up with his skill set, perfect system for his talents that even if he's not, you know, he's going to be kind of like that Andy Dalton of fantasy, you know, where it's like reliable fantasy points, uh, just kind of like those little check downs, dunk offs. I don't think I've, I, I know people have equated him to Tom Brady. Obviously, uh, that's unfair. And Very. that's just not realistic as well, in my mind. Uh, could prove me wrong, but yeah. uh, this is not a thick boy fall coming up uh, for Mac Jones. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's funny. I just got my first share of him in a in a 14-team uh, dynasty league, and I think I was picking fifth, and it was super flex, so I had to at that point, you know. Yeah. I, and and I, I feel good about it, honestly, because like you said, you know, I, I think the misconception when it came to us not wanting Mac at three was that we think that he's a terrible quarterback, and that's not the case at all. It's just, again, what you what you, what you spent to move up to three to get him is the part that I think a lot of people had problems with. But I think he's going to be a fine quarterback, especially for fantasy football. And when you think about, what they're going to do with him, you know, they're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, but he, you know, is going to be a guy who's going to command the offense. He's going to get the ball to, you know, John Smith, Hunter Henry. Those are two tight ends right there that are top of the league. And, you know, Kendrick Bourne, we all love Nelson Aguilar, you know, they, they've got some people over there and, and never underestimate what uh, McDaniels can do with him. So, you know, I think it was the perfect situation for him and for fantasy, honestly, for him, you know, you don't want him to be the guy that has to lead the offense, you know, or, or uplift the offense, but I don't feel like he's going to need to with the Patriots just because he's going to be around a good team and great coaching. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, honestly. I think that Mac Jones does have a higher floor than uh, Zach Wilson, even if Zach Wilson's ceiling is out of this world because of uh, some of the throws he can make. Oh, yeah, that uh, rolling to the right and, yeah, the, just down throw. Like, if he, if he fell to three, uh, uh, I think it mm, mm, would have been, been nice. an interesting one. That would have been an interesting one. Would they have, would they have chose Wilson or Lance? I think that would have been uh, an interesting interesting discussion. Because I think that in a way they had already written off Wilson was going to the Jets. So I was yeah. would be curious to see how much like research they did into him. Because obviously they had to know a little bit what the Jets were going to do from the get go, right? Because that's why they that's why yeah. they got to three. 
Exactly. So I, I think that it was just a given. Uh, either way, you know, Jason, again, thank you for coming on the show, brother. Like, I think we've touched on a lot of subjects here. And um, with that said, one thing that we always like to ask our guests, because we're on a show where we talk about like our favorite sports movies, our favorite sports television shows. What is your favorite all-time sports movie, Jason? Ooh, man. I wish I would have had some time to prepare for oh, this. Oh, no, no. So, we got to shock people. Shock and awe. All right. That's our routine. So here's how I'll do it. I'll break it into the three sports that I like, okay? Baseball, yeah. Major League One. The perfect blend of actual baseball with comedy, right? Um, you know, and, and, and it was a good way to look into you know, the, the locker room and, and those dynamics and how crazy it gets, like guys sleeping with each other's wives and stuff like that. Like, I, I and I love it. I think it's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen, right? Basketball. This one really, really gets tough. But this one is really close to my heart because my father went to Indiana and it's Hoosiers um, with Gene Hackman. I know that that's not a popular one. You can go to Above the Rim. You can go to, uh, I mean, anything, honestly. There's so many great basketball movies, but that's the one that, that really hits me because, you know, my dad, you know, went to Indiana University. And that's also part of the reason that I became a 49er fan. Well, not part of the reason. While he was there, Joe was at Notre Dame and he followed him and I liked him. But yeah, Hoosiers is basketball and football any given Sunday. Any given Sunday is probably the closest that you'll ever see on a, on a silver screen to the NFL experience. Guys taking IVs, guys doing um, steroids, all that stuff. The, the, in the locker room turmoil with, with a quarterback who's starting over a legend. Um, the, the, the pressure from the front office. You know, it, that that's probably the movie for me that gives you the best idea of the NFL experience. And it was done in such a well, it was, it was such a well done movie that uh, it's it's whenever it's on TV or whenever I find it on Netflix, I've got to pop it on. So that's a good question. I'm glad that I was able to at least break it down into those three. It's hard to just pick one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think that you gave the most detailed breakdown of your sports movies we've ever had of any guests on this show. And I'm all for it. How you want me over at Major League. Once you said Major League, I'm like. This guy's my guy. This guy we're going to have on like plenty more times in the yes, future. Absolutely, and Jason, uh, yeah. So, I mean, with that said, uh, obviously we want to continue to grow each other's audiences here. So I want you to educate the people, tell the people where to find everything Jason Aponte. Right. So uh, Twitter is basically where I do most of my memes and stuff like that, which is what everybody loves. So at Jason Aponte 2103. Um, YouTube is really where all my content is when it comes to fantasy, sprint right option, all those things, the live shows, those roundtables I like to do. So you can search Jason Aponte on YouTube. The link is in my bio as well. And, you know, sprint right option podcast with my guy, Andrew Pasquini, recording our new episode tonight. Um, two skinny dudes I do with uh, Jared Bailey. So, you know, a lot of work on the YouTube, honestly, YouTube is where, where you'll find most of my content because, uh, you know, I'm trying to get into a, a mode of, of every single day. And also you can catch me, um, Thursdays at four o'clock, my time, one o'clock, uh, Pacific time with, uh, Grant Cohen on his channel for 49ers coast to coast. So yeah, you know, I mean, Twitter is probably the best place for you to keep up with me, but my YouTube channel is, is where, if you're looking for all the content, that's really where it's going to be. I like how you mentioned the two skinny guys because on Twitter I noticed people were having a little fun with you on Photoshop. Uh, oh yeah, making you out uh, be a little oh, yeah. man there. Thanks so. a lot, Kyle. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Kyle. That's 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 Kyle uh, Breakwitz, and he, uh, you know, you know, it's funny. That's that's what I was telling you before. It's just like I love to have a good time, and, and that stuff doesn't bother me at all, honestly. That like that those Photoshops they make me laugh so much, honestly, and they did so much for the brand because you can't be one of those guys that takes this too seriously, honestly. We're just again. We're, we're talking sports like if it's not fun then why are you doing it honestly so I, I just feel like people get lost in that yeah like we need to be serious and you do want to be taken seriously you want to make sure you have credibility but also remember that this is supposed to be fun and it's never supposed to look like a chore oh yeah and that's why we always tell people specifically with our ig page come for the memes stay for the pod 
at Slumpbuster Podcast on IG, at Slumpbuster Pod on Twitter. Don't be a chump. Use promo code Slump and save 15% off plus shipping and handling at cavemancoffeeco.com. Make sure to subscribe to Jason's channel. And guys, I want you to stay safe, happy, and healthy because we'll see you next time.